About eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to Jesus. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw the glory of Jesus and the two men who stood with them. Just as the men were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a great crowd met Jesus. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The Gospel of the Lord. In our life together, there never seems to be a moment when we are all experiencing or feeling the same thing at the same time. Even today as we gather, some of us have deep joy in our hearts while others have deep sadness. In pews that are side by side, there are people giving thanks for companionship right now and people feeling very lonely. In our midst today, there are people who are in excellent health and people who are battling disease. There are people who feel the presence of God in a powerful way and people who question whether God exists at all. There are people feeling affirmed and people among us right now feeling very beaten down. People at peace and people on the edge of stress or anxiety. And all of us know from experience that those roles could be reversed on any other Sunday of the year. You may be the joyful person in the pew today, but you know that sadness and grief will also come to you, maybe at a time when someone else is being lifted up out of theirs. That's life as we know it. And that's why we need a word of God that can 
speak to us each week that addresses all of that and all of us in whatever state we are in. And in that light, I'm thankful that our gospel writers have given us two stories to hear on this Sunday, as St. Luke does today. And the two stories seem to be as different as night and day. But the evangelists put them together for us as if to say, this is the whole story that you need to hear as a community. In the first story, which takes place on a mountain, there is an abundance of joy and light. In fact, Peter feels so good about the experience he's having that he proposes that they build three booths and just stay there indefinitely. We call this one the story of Jesus' transfiguration because of what happens to his face and to his clothing when they shine with the brightness of God. Yes, the disciples who were with him were frightened for a while when the cloud came and overshadowed them, but they were able to be there to get this glimpse of something that transcended all of the pain and the struggles and the hardship of life. And they were there to hear a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. But at the very same time, Luke says, the other nine disciples were down below trying and failing to do what was needed in a crisis. If Luke had the technology of today, he may have put these two stories on a split screen so that we could see them happening simultaneously and appreciate the stark contrast of the two. While the disciples on the mountain were asking to extend their glorious moment with Jesus, the nine down below were trying unsuccessfully to help a child who was shrieking, convulsing, foaming at the mouth, and writhing in pain. And after a voice on the mountain said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him, a desperate father down below pushed through the crowd and said, I beg you to look at my son, my only son. It's hard to miss the passion in both voices and the striking way that Luke puts them side by side in his narrative. In essence, then, there are two beloved sons here. And Luke wants us to see and to hear both of them, not in some disconnected way, but in a way that pulls together the whole truth of the gospel, the truth that God is present both on mountains of joy and in valleys of suffering. It reminds me of the Eucharistic prayer that we say before communion in this season of Epiphany. Blessed are you in the darkness and in the light. In other words, blessed are you, O God, in those moments when you lift us above the hurt and the suffering of this life. And blessed are you when you descend to us and touch our pain with your healing hands and reconcile us to one another. It's all part of the big story of who God is and who we are as people. And my big question today relates to the way that these two realities 
speak to each other. As one person asked, how does the glory on the mountain speak to the agony in the valley? What does it mean that they share a landscape? How can a love song on a pinnacle reach a scream in the depths? Commenting on the juxtaposition of these two stories, a young woman wrote, I tend to interpret the Bible as if its stories apply only to me, me, an individual, my mountaintop experience, my valley, my relationship with God. But this is so misguided, she says, so dangerous. The truth is that my mountain lies right next to your valley. The truth is that your pain does not cancel out my joy. The truth is that it is entirely possible for you to sit in church on Sunday morning and bask in the sweet presence of God's Spirit. While one pew over, I cry my eyes out because the ache of God's absence feels unbearable. What is so important then is that we learn to do what these two stories demand of us, which is to truly listen and to truly see. That is the cry that comes today from both the mountain and the valley. And I'm not suggesting in any way that it is easy. Often when we are on the mountain, we don't want to mingle our experience of joy or well-being or comfort with the reality of someone else's suffering. In the same way that comfortable people don't want to look a homeless person right in the eyes as you pass him or her on the street. We don't naturally want to leave our place in the light to enter into another person's darkness. And in the same respect, when we are suffering, we often fail to reach out because we don't want to burden others with our problem, especially those who seem to be doing so well right now. And sometimes, we even say, don't look at me, because we don't want others to see us in our weakness or in our vulnerability. And in the worst scenario, we isolate ourselves from others in a way that makes us feel alone and forgotten. But the gospel stories today call us into a new way of life together, because with Jesus, it isn't about choosing to stay in one reality or the other. It is about being fully present to people in both of them. On the mountain, Jesus revealed the glory of God's transcendence. And in the valley, he revealed the glory of God's deep love and mercy for flesh and blood people who cry out in pain. And in the process, Jesus joins these two worlds, these two realities together into one. So today as we gather here and in this new week as we live together in community, we can let Jesus join those two worlds into one for us also. Because it is finally what we truly need, even more than we know. I got a taste of that these past two weeks through all of the love and support that I have received in a time of loss. 
My role here primarily is to be a pastor to others. But you have all been pastors to me after the loss of my mother. And it has brought our worlds together in a very significant way. So let there be shouts of joy in our life together. Let there be laughter and thanksgiving and celebration and praise. And let there be honest sharing of sadness and loss and fear and pain. And let it all be seen and all be heard in generous ways. Let there be a holy coexistence of darkness and light around us and within us. And let there be a generous sharing of gifts that turns a gathering of people into a communion of saints. And finally, let there be perpetual awe at the greatness of God which shines through in Jesus Christ in all times and in all places. Amen.